Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. We're super honored to have Cecil Paxton. We love Cecil and Lisa. And uh, actually, when we got direction to come here, they came and confirmed it before we told anybody. And so it was supernatural. And praise God, they hear the Lord. And we're really, really blessed to have them. And I'm honored to be uh, associated with them. We love you, Cecil. Come up here and have fun. Take your liberty. Thank you, brother. Praise God. Are you okay up there? Oh, yeah, I'll be fine. Up in the light? Okay. Thanks, brother. Well, praise God. It's good to be here tonight. And and, um, praise God, Barbara, for praying for Israel. Mm, Definitely on my heart. Let me give away a few teachings tonight, and um, I'll get into what I'm going to be sharing tonight. I've got, um, I guess I'll start off with these. We've got some... uh, these cards with scriptures from overseas. And um, we have a friend of ours that donated them to the ministry and she does photography. And these were predominantly in um, England and Ireland. And you'll find different scenes, different animals out there. And then um, different, uh, some of them are, oh, well, that's a church in the background. So um, see what, let me just give some of these away. They're in, very inexpensive out there. I think they're only like a dollar. So we'll give those away for free, of course. But they're great. Um, for um, if you like writing people notes and things, because inside's blank, so you can put inside of what you like to, to put inside. This is um, this particular album is titled "Why Christians Die Instead of Receiving Healing." So um, thank you, and I'll share just a little bit about that and just tell you that um, that teaching. When I first did that teaching, I was out on the East Coast. I was teaching students why Christians, instead of receiving a manifestation of healing, are dying and going to heaven. And so I was, I was giving them many insights, and I was flying really early in the morning on the way back, uh, fly actually from New England, flying into the uh, Chicago. But it um, normally, you know, on airplanes, when I say really early, I mean it was really early I left out. I think it was like 3 or 4 in the morning when I, when I was out there at the airport flying out. And um, I'm one of those people that I can sleep anywhere. And it frustrates my wife sometimes because even on a one-hour flight, I can fall asleep. She wants to talk, but I can sleep anywhere. So I can wake up, go back to sleep, and I'll be in trouble. And sure enough, I went to sleep on this plane, and I'm in the very, very front seat. I mean, I can sit there and look over at the stewardess where they're sitting as the plane is taken off. So I'm at the very, very front. And somehow, I didn't wake up when the plane landed. I was supposed to get off and get on my next flight. And um, anyway, um, I stayed on that plane. And when it took off, I sensed something's not right. I woke up, I questioned the stewardess. Of course, I found out that I was going to um, Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, not Chicago. And uh, boy, they got all upset because they did the count. And I'm sitting right there in front of them and they missed me. And so I'm on the way. I'm there until, I mean, the earliest I could get me out of there was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm stuck there all day. So I knew this one pastor. I called him on the phone. But what pastor has a cell phone on 20 minutes before service starts? Well, he did. And he, he said, I'm sending my grandson to pick you up because, you see, it turned out that he had, uh, he had a prominent member in his church that had passed away. And he had been seeking God since about 3 o'clock that morning, going, God, what am I going to say? How am I going to explain this? Because it's like, why? Why did he die? Because they were believing, they were praying, and instead, he went home, went to heaven. And so, boy, 
He brought me there. I ministered that message to the people. It was a powerful service. I mean, people's faith was just intact. Nobody lost heart because of the circumstances. So that teaching gives many different insights into that area and why Christians, um, look, we win no matter what, even if we go home. But God's not the one responsible, and we don't have to feel bad about it, praise God. There's no combination with those in Christ Jesus. We just win because we're in Christ. Praise God. we got a good future. This book, um, there's a couple different books that are going out there, but this book's How to Receive Healing from God. And I'm sure I'll touch on some of this tonight as, as I'm sharing and ministry with you. So here, I'll give this give it to someone as well. Someone that needs a manifestation of healing. And of course, there's many insights into that. But I will say this, that one year I had, uh, I think it was five or six pastors that understood, of course, what I was teaching. But they said they've just never heard it the way in which I was teaching healing. So there's just a lot of unique insights. That's just very much where my heart's at and how I communicate healing. And so I believe that, um, of course, it's, there's lots of testimonies from that book in many people's lives. So I believe it'll minister to you in that area as well. For the people listening online, I'll just say this, and also for you guys, um, you can go to our website and download also, download anything for free. So it's all there for you as well. So if you're online and you wanted that book, we'll just go to our website. Praise God. You can Google my name, Cecil Paxton, and if you don't if that doesn't work, you put in Cecil Baxton. They both work. So praise God. <laughs> okay. And also, our mailing list. If you want to be on our mailing list, there's some information out there, sheet out there. You can sign up. And if you give us your email, and then um, we can put you on a video email that we send out weekly. And that's a little five-minute, little short teaching that we send out. And um, anywhere from five to uh, try to keep it less than seven minutes, but usually right around the five to six-minute mark. Um, just enough to minister and give some insights, but it's almost like a little devotional. So you can get that weekly if you like, and if you want our monthly newsletter, then you can get that as well that comes out monthly, and you can open and read that. And then I encourage you also that uh, I know we've got people here that are partners with us, and you're a part of what the Lord is doing through us. And so if the Lord speaks to your heart, you want to be a part of what the Lord is doing through us as a ministry. And I mean, we're, we're in fact, we'll be heading back overseas this next year for meetings, and we've, we're traveling. Uh, in fact, we'll be gone the whole month of uh, November ministry and traveling here in the U.S. So you want to be a part of what the Lord is doing through us? So praise God, you can sow into your future just by being a part of what He's doing through us, and that partnership information is out there. So free, feel free to grab one of these as well. nice thing about um, partnership is that you never have to do anything you get to. Yeah, you should never feel obligated you know, when ministers are talking about finances or money, because if you have an understanding of that area, then, um, my, I tell you what, um, when I got a revelation of that area, it changed me, gave my heart confidence. And so as a ministry, we actually support a wide variety of ministries uh, just around the world, in fact. And, um, in fact, one of them is um, a church coming up here in Israel. In fact, um, we're believing God to be able to give them $10,000 because they need 300 people uh, in order to buy this building right there in Jerusalem uh, for, for, I think, a billion dollars, sir. So um, if you want to be a part of that, you can, you can um, contact us as well as that as well and uh, let us know. So tonight I'm going to begin uh, just a wee bit different and just begin by sharing this. Um, you know, uh, I'm not going to go into a great amount of detail about my own, but I want to begin to share about my own personal testimony, just, just some I'm really not prepared right now just to minister along that line, but I will say this, that, um, you know, my wife has a powerful testimony. If you've never heard her testimony, boy, it's a testimony of the goodness of God and that she experienced because she basically, um, well, she grew up in a heathen family, 
her stepfather said, none of my kids will ever step foot in a church. And I'm just the opposite. I mean, I had a, I'm a PK kid. My father was a pastor and um, had, a, of course, a purpose and a calling on his life. But there was a time that he um, was out of ministry. And, um, but before that happened, let me just share about myself. When I was about, um, well, five years old, um, I had something happen that's very rare physically. In fact, the devil basically tried to take me out at that age because the physical problem that I had uh, in that hospital that had only five other people with that problem and no one had lived, everybody had died. And they basically told my parents that and let them know the severity of the situation. And you know, my parents uh, in prayer gave me to God. And I believe that was very instrumental. That's a very powerful thing. I tell you, there's, I've uh, ministered with people that are having problems with their children, even going wayward and different things. It's a powerful thing to put, uh, put a child Put them in the hands of God to commit them and give them to God. I tell you, God came and got what belonged to him basically in my life. And he, of course, saved my life at that time. I was the only one in that hospital that had ever lived. I tell you, as a five-year-old, all I know is I just got all the ice cream I wanted. So it's like that was a nice thing for me. But, um, or, you know, it is for any kid, I guess. But uh, praise God. But my father, there came a point in time in the first year of our marriage that um, he... Um, he had cancer. In fact, um, his father, my grandfather, um, who was a lawyer, he had um, passed away within one year of my father in his 50s. And um, my father passed away within, in his 50s, almost the very same age, of the same problem. And I'm past that, and I'll never die that. Amen. Praise God. My, but you see, you, for you to be able to say something like that with confidence then your heart has to back up what your mouth is saying to where it's not just some boastful statement, but you mean what you're saying. And you can say it with confidence because your heart has understanding. It's not just something you're copying that someone else did, but there's understanding of heart. When your heart backs up what your mouth says, then there's no serious issue of unbelief that on the inside of you that could hinder you in that type of confession. But, um, but you see, to make a long story short, I'll just say this. My father... You see, he had things spoken prophetically over him about being restored to ministry, a healing ministry, and all that God was going to do. But instead of that happening, my father chose to go home. And in the last number of days of his life, all that came out of his mouth, he just kept saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. You know, I've ministered to several people over the years. Um, I'm thinking of a few different ones right now that made that type of decision. Some of them, it's kind of hard. I had, I had a um, young lady that, um, she was only in her late 30s. She would not let me pray for her for healing. She wanted to die. And she would not, she, would, she wanted prayer, but not for that. I remember praying, uh, ministering to a lady that uh, was in her 70s. And um, she just had a pen prick of cancer, and that young doctor that diagnosed it said, you're so healthy. He said, oh, there's no reason why you couldn't live to be 100. And her father did, almost made 100. And, you know, but she would not let him deal with that little pinprick of cancer, which would have just been an outpatient operation, a simple thing for him to do. That lady chose to let that cancer kill her. She, she had that young doctor in tears where he was trying to convince her of how he could help her. And, you know, how simple it would be, but she wouldn't let him. 
She went through the whole process of that cancer growing and physically coming to the place where it was killing her and going home. And within three days before she went home, there was a wonderful testimony. I have got time tonight to share all of it, but basically to say this, that um, within three days before she went home, Jesus himself showed up. She had a supernatural experience with the Lord. And you know, there was no condemnation. There was no judgment towards her. He, there was nothing but love and acceptance, unconditional love and acceptance. The family, they were nominal Christians. They didn't know how to handle that situation. They called us on the phone because, you see, they all saw like flashes like angels, and they all came up this two-level home and came up to the upper level where she sat, and they were in the hallway, and they were afraid to go in because they knew they were the only ones in the house, and she was talking with someone. It was a powerful experience. And they called us. They didn't know what to do, so we helped them in that situation. But, but you see... That was a lady that um, had, well, had a um, situation in a legalistic church where she got deeply hurt as a young Christian and never went back to church in a day in her life. And she was very critical and judgmental towards Christians. And it was, it was just the lifestyle of grace coming onto a message that um, she came to realize that, no, they weren't truly representing God. And it set her free. But at the same time, she chose to go home. Well, my teaching um, will give you many insights into that area, but basically healing is a choice. It's where we choose Jesus over ourselves, and we yield to him because of what he has accomplished at the cross. We win no matter what, but, um, but praise God, my. I'm, but as I'm saying, let me just quickly say this. My father chose to go home because, you see, his heart was not fully established in the word of God. And... He, under the weight or the pressure of the problem, he chose to go home. Because you see, if your heart's not fully established in God's word, and let me tell you, he had a good knowledge of the word of God, but he came out of a belief system that just didn't understand and didn't have the truth of God's word fully established so that he could effectively operate under the pressure of the circumstances that he was under, and he chose to go home. It was a decision. You know, after he passed away, my wife and I, we went out, we weren't hungry. We just went to a restaurant having something to drink, talking with a friend. And by the Spirit of the Lord, something flew out of my mouth. And what I said was this. I said, God, you know, the devil thinks he's won a victory, but God knew my dad was going to choose to go home. And when I said that, my wife and friend was sitting across from me at the table. Power God hit them. They both went sideways, wham, under the table. They rose back up and said, what was that? It was like God just dotted the I. Because you see, the next day, that was a Saturday morning, but the next day, Sunday, we had a friend that um, urgently wanted to get together with us. So we met after church at a particular restaurant, and this friend had a word from the Lord for us, but had no idea, had been out of town and gone and moved, um, and had no idea that my father even passed away or even had a problem. And this friend spoke prophetically, word by word, everything that was spoken of my father and spoke it over me. Tell you what, devil never wins. He's God, you, you just can't catch him off guard. He's always got a plan. He's always got a purpose. The scripture the Lord gave me was in John chapter 12, starting verse 23, and it's about Jesus, but there was an application of it for myself, but it says, the time has come for the Son of Man to be given his glory. I tell you for certain that a grain of wheat that falls into the ground will never be more than a, one grain unless it dies. 
but if it dies, it will produce a lot of wheat. You know, verse 25 says this, if you love your life, you'll lose it. If you give it up in this world, you will be given eternal life. Let me begin to explain it this way. I say I've ministered to so many people that are under the weight of the problems of the circumstances and, and the ones I'm, really the examples of the ones I'm using right now are the type of circumstances of physical problems that are just not minor. They're the type of challenging type of issues that sometimes there's pain involved, consistent pain. Sometimes there's physical limitations that come with the problems that they're experiencing. And I'm thinking of one situation right now with a lady I just ministered to in a situation where it cost her her job because of her um, the physical problems she was experiencing because she couldn't perform correctly. And there was emotional trauma, all different types of different issues and things she went through. And the fact she was dealing with the challenge of these physical problems over a period of time. And we're talking about a period of a few years in the context of the fact that it had such an effect upon her heart that the problem became, and problems became so real and such a reality to her that it dominated her heart. It is, in other words, she ended up establishing beliefs from a human perspective, which is exactly what unbelief is. It's beliefs that are established according to the way we see things when it's beliefs that are being established within our heart from a human perspective according to what we're experiencing because we constantly experience communication that's coming through the five senses. If we feel pain like she did and there's physical limitations and constantly you're dealing with that string fatigue that she finished and the pain that was in her body, the physical limitations, then um, constantly it was a challenge to the heart to the point that with her and, and with many people, it's produced fear. When there's fear established within the heart, then there's an expectation of bad, which is a definition of that word for the Hebrew, which it's an expectation of bad because we want good, but you see, when you constantly experience bad instead of good, then it can have such a devastating effect upon your heart that you begin to establish an identity in the problem because you establish beliefs in relationship to the challenges of the issues we're going through. And in her situation, she wasn't experiencing the help of the Holy Spirit. We as Christians, We've got, our body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, salvation. We've got the eternal life, the life of Christ dwelling in the inside of us. If you love your life, you'll lose it. I tell you, if we choose ourselves over Jesus, and it comes so subtly because, you see, the problems we're experiencing, they're our problems and not someone else's problems. They're the challenges that are coming to us and the challenges that we're facing. And if we establish a relationship with those problems, a way of believing, then beliefs established within our heart, then we can take on the identity of the problems to the point that we talk the problem, we feel the problem emotionally. And you see, when I communicate to people who the problems like I'm talking about have dominated their heart, then you see, even when I begin as a minister to minister the word of God with the intent to reach their heart with understanding, they keep coming back with different aspects of the problem because you see, they're hearing what I'm saying, but they're not really listening. Because to listen involves, you see, more than just your first set of ears. It involves the imagination of the heart. It involves your thoughts, your meditation, what you're meditating upon. It involves getting that truth established to the point that you're actually considering what you're hearing. You're in that process of accepting it as truth. 
And when there's the inability of your heart to do that, then, then the heart has become insensitive to God, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, but we're very, very sensitive to ourselves. Or oh, you understand what I'm sharing with you? It's a condition of the heart, but it doesn't have anything to do with our righteousness. Because you see, our righteousness is in our spirit. We're just talking about an issues or issues of unbelief within the heart and how we relate and how we live life. You see the self-life that we have. If our problems become more real to us, then we can choose ourselves over Jesus without even realizing what we're doing. In fact, a lot of Christians that um, this is the way that their heart is established and how they relate to life. You see, they, when it comes to God, they know what God can do. They want the Lord to do something for them. But even though they want the Lord to do something for them, then the way they relate when it comes to receiving help is the same way they would by going to another human to get help. And God is not a human. God is a spirit. If you remember how you came into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, your mouth confessed what your heart was believing because salvation involves the heart, not just a formula, not just words that we say repeating something we're supposed to speak. No, we mean what we say. The Holy Spirit is involved in salvation. He's revealing Jesus to us to the point that when we come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, there is a born-again experience where the Holy Spirit births the life of Christ on the inside of us. 1 Corinthians 3.16, our body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit at that time. And you see, as Christians, God's presence dwells on the inside of us. Everywhere we go, we carry the presence of the Lord. But you see, there are just so many different Christians that when it comes to receiving from God, they relate to God the same way they would a doctor as an example. And while I'm on the subject of, of mentioning doctors, let me just say this. I'm not against doctors. In fact, we've got a doctor and st staying with us right now until they go home. And so I'm not against doctors. In fact, um, but I'll say this concerning doctors. When Christians go to receive help from a doctor, I've ministered to Christians that have or do, and um, some of them, they say, oh, I'm trusting God to work through a doctor, but the reality is this. No, their heart's full of fear. They're fearful to some degree where there's an expectation of that on the inside and they're wanting desperately for someone to do something for them. But you see, if your heart's full of fear, you're not at a place of receiving because you'll make receiving about you, not about Jesus. And receiving from our Heavenly Father is about Jesus, just like salvation is about Jesus. We came into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and healing is the same. Receiving a manifestation of healing from God who is a spirit, not a human, Again, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about what he's accomplished for us at the cross. And so when it comes to receiving, then our mouth is confessing what our heart is believing. It's the same way we receive a manifestation when it comes to healing. Hmm. You see, faith. Our faith is a response to his grace. What God has already accomplished through Jesus. We're receiving something that already belongs to us. It's ours. And, but on the other hand, if our perspective and the way we're relating to him when it comes to receiving from him is we want him to do something for us, then within our heart, then the way we're truly believing is that we don't have something, but that we need something. And when we become needy when it comes to receiving a manifestation of healing, 
then the danger is this. We'll make receive it about us, not about him. We'll want him to do something for us. We'll approach God the same way you do a doctor. Look, there are Christians that when it comes to, well, a doctor, there are some Christians that they really do believe in faith that the Lord's going to work through a doctor. They really are trusting him, and they come out with some wonderful testimonies of what the Lord did, maybe even some salvations, or maybe even the doctors confirmed that what manifested and what took place was beyond their ability. It was like the hand of God was involved in this situation, and it's a wonderful testimony. Look, God will meet you at your point of faith right where you're at. But you see, receiving is about Jesus. It's not about us. But if we make it about us, then we're going to limit the Lord. It's going to become about us. You know, tonight I want to begin to give a testimony and because I want to begin to talk about, first of all, the area of authority, but I want to use the example of um, two cowboys that I ministered to years ago that um, they drove all the way from another state, um, all the way to our office here in Colorado. And the reason they came was this, because one of the cowboys, he was a smaller of the two, he got run over with a, with a um, hay wagon and when he got ran over the hay wagon, it, it went across his legs, one set of the wheels, the other set of wheels went across his chest. And I mean, it messed up his legs and the chest, I mean, it crushed in his chest some, but, but you see, when it happened, he received a miracle manifestation of healing. Now, a miracle manifestation of healing is when you're receiving something. God supernaturally does something for you that can bypass your heart because, you see, he knew that was a miracle because, man, his chest got crushed in, and the Lord, it's what the Lord did, which is supernatural. It was powerful. He could breathe normal again. He was just doing great. But his legs were still messed up. And he kept waiting for God to do something for his legs. And he kept saying, well, Lord, kept praying, Lord, um, why aren't you healing my legs? And it got to the point that he was missing days and days of work. And he was started getting frustrated. Then after a season of time, after some days were passing, he started getting angry. He started getting upset. And it was like, Lord, why aren't you healing me? I keep praying. I keep asking. Why aren't you healing me? And finally, his friend, the bigger of the two cowboys, he said, look, you believe in that healing stuff? He said, you've been listening to them? He said, look, I'm going to take you there. Now, he put him in his old truck. In fact, this is one of the qualifications for him being a cowboy. He could hand an old truck. If you've got an old truck and you get run over the hay wagon, yeah, you're a cowboy. You're the real thing. I mean, some of us, we just own the boots. We own the hat. Uh, but, um, but they showed up in Colorado. He pulled up, and, and this guy, he makes his way in. They sit down in my office, and he begins to share, the, uh, the, uh, the smaller of the two cowboys begin to share this story with me. And, you know, in my office, he sat in a chair where he could get his legs straight out because of the, um, the pain and the problems, how his legs was messed up, but, um, or the knees. And, um, but the other fellow, he sat down on my couch, and um, so I began to ask qualifying questions because I didn't know who these guys were. And, um, and so I asked the kind of qualifying questions a minister would normally ask when it's the first time experience. In other words, how do you establish a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Are you saved and such? I found out they're both believers. They both accepted Jesus. And then I asked concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And one of the cowboys, he said, well, you and me, we've got a problem in that area. It's the bigger of the two. He said, we don't believe the same. 
The other cowboy, he kind of quietly let me know, no, we're fine. We believe the same there. But, um, but you see, I began to share with them about the area of authority, how authority involves the heart. You see the area of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gifts of healing as an example, working in miracles, verse 9 and verse 10. You see, you're, you're talking about a gift. You're talking about something like Christmas. You're talking about supernatural manifestations of healing, powerful things happening where that can bypass your heart. I tell you, those unbelievers that get healed in the area of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there, there can be Christians with serious issues of unbelief that can supernaturally be touched right where they're sitting in the area of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to the area of authority, it always involves the heart of the person praying and the heart of the person receiving because, you see, you've got a will. God doesn't relate to us through manipulation and control. He doesn't control us. But I'm going to tell you something. This area of authority involving the Word of God working in your heart through a work of the Holy Spirit to the point that you go through the process of taking on the identity of that truth. You don't just choose to believe something and just agree with something because your pastor says so. But no, you spend the time and you're letting the Holy Spirit be your teacher, revealing that truth to you, the Holy Spirit, to the point that it determines your way of life in Christ. It determines the way you relate to life. Any area of God's Word that opens up to you by the Holy Spirit in that manner where there's not just information and knowledge, but that knowledge has become understanding within your heart to the point that, as Ephesians 1.18 says, that their eyes of understanding be enlightened. Anytime there's an area where all of a sudden the light turns on to the point that suddenly there's illumination, suddenly you can see God's perspective. Suddenly you're in that process of truth being established because truth is given to us through Jesus Christ. It may be a fact we deal with problems, but as Christians, we need to come to the place that that's not truth. A problem is not truth. It may be a fact, but it's not truth. Truth is found in Jesus Christ. For the benefit of our heart, we need to establish an identity in Christ. Truth that's found in Him to the point that we identify with Him to the point that it comes to receiving, that receiving is about Jesus. It's about the cross. It's about His body. It's about His blood. It's not about us. But you see, Christians who are dealing with serious issues to the point that they've taken on the identity of the problem with their serious issues of unbelief on the inside, then, well, change is going to be a process. So, you know, the last person I ministered to along that line as I was ministering the Word of God, they would remember different aspects of the problem and then interject and, again, begin to talk about themselves, about their physical body, about the issues. Almost like a person that just feels like that, if you don't know everything I know, then you can't help me. But the reality is this. When we focus on ourself, when it comes to receive from God, we make receiving about us instead of Jesus, we're just simply going to limit the Lord. When the problem is more of a reality to our heart, then you can say that, well, yeah, I'm believing to be healed. But does your heart back up what your mouth is saying? Because receiving, just like salvation, is based upon the heart. You see, I begin to share this area of authority, begin to explain the area of the heart to these two cowboys. I begin to give some answers because, you see, he had gotten angry. He had gotten hurt. He was really upset going, God, I miss him working, and, and, and why aren't you healing him? I don't understand. He was confused. He was blaming God that God was part of the problem, and the reality was this. God's never the problem. He's given us all things in Christ. Jesus has already been to the cross. It's a matter of receiving what already belongs to us, what he's already given us, but it involves our heart and how we're believing. 
And so when I begin to share the Word of God with them, I'm just going to give you some basic insights out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 14, Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 38, Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 29, because you see each of the examples are Peter's mother-in-law. Look, if you can get your mother-in-law healed, you're doing real good. It's like, it's like no, I'm just kidding. Wonderful relationship with the mother-in-law. But the fact is this, though. There's three examples of how Jesus ministered to her because this woman was sick with a fever. And if you look at the scriptures, especially the fact Luke's gospel, because Luke was a doctor, and if you look at his Greek and look at the way he communicated, man, he was very descriptive in that situation on what this woman was going through. Because, you see, he, he didn't say she had a fever. She, she had a great fever, a high fever, different words of, of the magnitude. In other words, she was so sick that you're not going to hold a conversation with her. It's a great fever. And so that also gives you some insight in that situation of how you're going to minister because there are some situations when you're praying for people that if their heart's not involved because they're not directly relating to you in a situation, then it's almost like praying for a baby as an example or praying for an animal as an example because and I've got many animals healed. Doctors, dogs, um, cats, you know, I've got many testimonies. One of them is really hilarious, especially the cat. Because um, um, cats, to me, they just seem like they, um, well, I mean, they just seem like they're just kind of like, yeah, you can pray for them if you want to. I mean, they're just kind of like nonchalant. Now, I just heard a story about uh, two dogs and a cat. It kind of typifies cats, I mean, because they all were going, quote, to heaven. Now, the two dogs were legalistic. They didn't have a revelation of grace. When they got, St. Peter came out and he sat down and, the, and um, he said one, St. Peter said to one dog, okay, why should I let you into heaven? He said, well, I've been a really, really good dog. He said, I, I never bit anybody. I was always really obedient to my master and I was always a good dog. He said, okay, come on into heaven. And the next dog said, he turned to him and said, why should I let you into heaven? And he said, he said, oh, I was so good with the kids. Oh, I never bet them, and I just loved them, the kids and such. He said, I was such a good dog. He says, well, come on in. Come on into heaven. So he turns to the cat and says, okay, why should I let you into heaven? The cat looks at him and says, I think you're sitting in my seat. <laughs> I mean, that's to me, that's like a cat. I mean, this, this story where I prayed for this cat, I mean, it was a situation where the cat actually let me touch him. Normally, he's a wild, or has found, was found as a wild cat. Normally, wouldn't let you touch him, but... Um, but this cat, when I prayed for him, he had incredible pain in his body. And uh, I mean, pain that was internal, because I touched him and immediately knew it was internal organs. And when I spoke to that area with authority, I mean, that cat, when he was healed, he jerked his head up, stretched his neck, and looked at me with such a shock look in his face. I didn't know cats could express themselves. I mean, it was just hilarious. <laughs> I wish I'd have got it on camera, got a picture. You'd laugh. It was funny. But, um, but anyway... Um, the wife was really blessed. The cat was healed, but later on, the husband was um, upset with me. He was talking to me and said, why did you pray for that cat? He said, I, I hate that cat. That's a meat cat. I wanted that cat to die. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, but you see, praying for a person where they're so sick or something in a situation, something very similar. I mean, I prayed for babies and such. I remember one baby at that time, uh, what meeting where... Uh, it was just, I mean, it was powerful. I mean, eczema, that little baby was just scratching all over. I'm just all over its skin and um, in some kind of serious problem with the skin, in other words. But uh, when I put my hand, I mean, first of all, I went to pray for that child. The father was holding the child, but that little child pulled away from me because it's like, I know, Dad, I don't know you. 
But I, but I did. He let me put my hand on his head, our head, and and uh, but you see, when the life of Christ was released, the power of God went into that child, that baby. That little baby went out in the spirit, wham, just like it went to sleep. My, and ill. I mean, wonderful testimony. But again, a child and a baby is not hasn't got a heart to believe. In other words, they're so young. Then it's not about them. It's about the adults. It's about us. Whoever's praying, their hearts are involved. Same thing, praying for an animal. I mean, I haven't seen a dog yet that said, "Well, I'm just not believing." <laughs> <laughs> so. No, it's, it's an animal. It's the people praying. They can't receive manifestation healing on their own. It takes a human to pray for them, a believer who can release the life of Christ into their body. I see, it's not Jesus praying for Peter's mother-in-law. The scripture says he touched her hand in Matthew's gospel. It's the first thing Jesus did in this situation. Physical contact in a very proper place because he's going to release the life of Christ to kill that fever. See, the, th- the thing about the life of Christ being released in the physical uh, person's physical body is this. Physical problems die at the root, just like the fig tree. In Mark's gospel is an example. When Jesus cursed the fig tree on the way into the city, the disciples saw it. Because being disciples of a rabbi in that culture, you're supposed to become just like them. Anything he can do, you're supposed to be able to do. And so they watch and listen to every single thing. And they saw what he did, but they're used to seeing when Jesus spoke with words, something happening. But... All they saw was that, okay, he spoke to a tree that didn't have figs. And so, but you see, it never got it out of their head because on the way out of the city, they, I mean, first Peter, first one there, and the disciples are looking at that tree and said, Master, the tree you cursed. You see, it died at the roots. Something did happen. I tell you, when it comes to authority, it comes to the power of God working in a person's body as a believer you really need to, to be looking at Jesus when it comes to receiving. If, you, if you're looking at the problem to find out if there's truth that something's actually happening, the danger is this. You're going to limit the Lord. You're going to make receiving about what you judge from your heart according to what your eyes are seeing. On the other hand, on the other hand if you have understanding of heart and you realize that the life of Christ kills physical problems at the root, just like cancer, I prayed for people with cancer where they have the physical symptoms. When I release the life of Christ, all of a sudden, the physical problem begins to diminish. The pain begins to leave their body. Now, the reason they're getting better is because they're healed. The reason there's healing and we're healing is because we're healed. When Jesus is the one doing the healing, but if it's a human helping you, like a doctor is an example, when one human helps another human, you're not free until they're completely successful whatever methods and ways they're using. When the problem's actually gone, truly gone, whether they do research, do tests, do blood work, whatever they do, when the problem's actually gone, then you're free. But that's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. When it comes to receiving from your heavenly father, it's about Jesus Christ, which means this, you do not want to empower the problem because it's like, no, the life of Christ is killing this problem at the root. And the moment I'm getting better, it's like, that's it. It's over. I'm finished. It's done. I'm healed. You've got to have that type of confidence, that type of understanding, the point that you're looking for good. You don't just want good. It's not good belongs to you. Because Jesus, the goodness of God has been given to us through Jesus Christ. God has revealed his love, his unconditional love for us. It belongs to us. And the moment we're changing, it's like, that's it. 
If, you, if we had that perspective, I'll tell you what, you, you wouldn't be looking at someone to pray for you. When it comes to prayer, man, you'd be looking at Jesus. That's just the vessel he's working through. You'd pull the life of Christ out of them because you'd be a person so easy to pray for because you're making receiving about Jesus. Lord, it's you working through that person. You won't look at the person going, I need you to pray for me. I need you to heal me. I've had people come up and say that to me. I remember a big fellow one time came up to me, and it was like a penguin. It was like, give me a fish. It's like, you heal me. You know, give me a, you do something for me. Boy, I tell you what, Jesus is our source of life. Until we come to the place that within our heart, we depend more on him than we depend upon ourselves, Like a grain of wheat dying in the ground. In other words, our self-life. Until we come to the place within our heart that, we, that Jesus, he's more real, more of a reality. We're the humans that are living on this planet. We're the ones that face the challenges of life. There's many things I can say that uh, concern that long and along that line, but, but um, man, you know, 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us that, um, that Christians, in other words, the godly will suffer persecution. And that scripture, of course, is talking about problems through people. But let me tell you something. There's a spiritual influence behind the motivation. In other words, it's the devil. It's the demonic realm that is working many times behind persecution. And it's the same thing as an example when you're dealing with, you're being persecuted through physical issues, physical problems, challenges of physical issues. Boy, problems can be demonically inspired. It can be the, it can be the devil just trying to take you out. My, just like with my father, just like with other people. But I'm telling you, we've got the victory. And we win no matter what. Mm. It rains on the just and the unjust. But our life and our source of life is Christ. Until we come to the place that we can trust him more than we trust ourselves. A dependency upon him instead of our self-life, instead of our own human perspective. Because again, many times when I'm ministering to people, they keep coming back to themselves. They keep talking about the problem. They keep giving different aspects of the issues. Because when the problem is dominated their heart, there's fear. There's an expectation of bad. But the example with Peter's mother-in-law is this. In this situation, look, her heart's not directly involved. And he touched her hand, and then Jesus, with words, rebuked the fever. He spoke directly to the fever. When you're rebuking something, then it's a command, it's an action. You're telling it what to do. You're punishing it. In other words, you're killing it with the life of Christ. When you realize the authority that you have in Christ, then your heart will back up what your mouth is saying because you see, when you speak with authority, the power is coming out of you. You've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You've got power. And it's living life with the dependence on the life of Christ within so that we don't limit Jesus. The third thing that happened in Mark's gospel in that situation was this. He took her by the hand and lifted her up. You know why he's doing that? Because she is getting up because that fever is leaving her body. And the scripture says that she served them. The Southern translation means she probably made them something really good to eat. My. My. But you see the two cowboys. Hmm. The smaller of the two, of course, I mean, he began to realize that well, the problem wasn't with God. The problem wasn't with Jesus. The problem was him. But he's got some tears in his eyes. And in fact, 
the understanding began to come to his heart as I ministered the word of God to him. And he allowed me to get down there and put my hands on his knees. And when I did that, the other cowboy, the big guy, got off my couch. And by this time, boy, you know, I explained the benefit of the baptism of the Spirit. I didn't argue with him because nobody wins in an argument. But I explained the benefit. Then I sat down and gave him, then gave him a practical example. I put my hands on this guy's knee. Then I told him, look, you put your hand on the other knee. I'm the one that spoke and released the power of God, released the life of Christ. But under our hands, it was like pop, 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 like popcorn as the power of God was healing this guy's knees. And boy, he was blessed because, you see, he came to realize that Jesus was never the problem. He just didn't understand how to receive. If God would do something for him, that's great. But he began to, well, he started coming into a place now where his heart had understanding that receiving was about the word of God, was about Jesus Christ, who is the word, working in his heart. And the big cowboy after, this, after his friend was healed to the point that he could get up, he could move, he could walk normal, he was totally healed. I tell you, he, the big cowboy, he turned to me, he said, uh, we haven't got a problem with the baptism of the Holy Spirit anymore. <laughs> because you see, he didn't ha- you didn't have to argue to defend God or to prove something. He saw a practical demonstration. Praise God. Mm. My. I think I've got more to share tonight than I've got time to share it. Let me stop real quick. I, I've only got a very little bit of time, before, but before I move into something else, I'll, I, I'll just barely get into it. Um, let me just quickly say this. Somebody got a question, something they'd like to ask. Have we got a mic we can use? Something you'd like to ask tonight concerning healing or whatever I've been speaking about. If you don't, I can ask you some questions. Okay, one question back here, brother. Um, so there was a time when I was trying to pray over someone who was in a nursing facility and he was really sick and I was really believing. Um, and um, I realized that he didn't get healed right away because of his heart, but then um, it really affected how I believed in healing. So when you're trying to believe for something that's really, really, really hard, what would be a good way to get your heart into the right place to see what you are believing for? Well, let me encourage you in this way and see if this um, answers your question and how you asked it. Um, You know, as a minister, I've experienced failure. In fact, especially as a young minister starting out, I can remember seeing wonderful things happen, but other things not happen. But I also remember you know, suddenly getting results in areas where I didn't used to get results. I'm telling you, you can begin to spend time and take those circumstances and take it before the Lord with a heart of humility, a humble heart, to where you humble your heart and say, Lord, you know what? Somewhere I missed it. Um, You're not the problem in this situation. I'm asking for wisdom. I'm seeking your face. You begin to seek his face. You begin to get into the word and search out and get answers. Begin to believe that he's going to give you the wisdom that James 1, 5 promises and 
the process you go through will be a process, but you know what? It'll not only benefit you, but it'll benefit other people when you go back and get results in areas where you didn't used to get results. It will give your heart confidence and it'll give you some insight when you experience failure to where you never really become a failure. You never take on the identity of failure and just give up within your heart. Instead, you learn to go to Jesus. And you come in John 10, 27, my sheep know my voice. You come into a place of knowing his voice. You come in a place of allowing the Holy Spirit to be your teacher and revealing truth and giving insight. My, that'll bless you. That'll change you. I tell you, praise God. Hopefully that helps. Well, I think I'm out of time. Praise God. But thank you, guys. Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.